0: Welcome to Speaking Destroy, episode 61. Speaking Destroy is a podcast about Metallica, and I am your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is comedian and musician Dave Hill. Dave is one half of the duo Painted Doll, together with death metal legend Chris Reifert, who listeners of this podcast will probably recognize from death and autopsy. And Hill has done a ton of stuff as a comedian. I think I first really fell in love with his comedy when he would appear multiple times on the Comedy Central show At Midnight as a panelist or contestant, I suppose. He's shown up in Full Frontal with Samantha B. Inside Amy Schumer, The Jim Gaffigan Show, a bunch of other stuff. If you watched Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, then you've heard his theme song for that show, Go, performed by his band Valley Lodge. In the 90s, he was in an alt-rock band called Sons of Elvis. He was a fused TV correspondent on Mark Hoppus from Boyfriend 82's old show. And he's an extremely passionate fan of an eclectic, broad range of music. Combination of comedy and that passion makes him... An immediate favorite for me and by far one of my favorite conversations. In this episode we talk about Phil Anselmo, Fenris, Portal, The Replacements, The Smiths, Rat, Dawkin, Grosjean and Conformity, The Jackson 5, Depressing Pubs in England, one of Dave's other bands, Witch Taint, The Agora Theater in Cleveland, The Hebrew Israelites, Emperor Mayhem, a whole bunch of Danzig, and yes plenty of Metallica. If you enjoy this conversation half as much as I did you're gonna have a great time. Check out the latest record from Painted Doll. Keep up with all things Dave Hill at DaveHillOnline.com. And keep up with all things Speak and Destroy at SpeakandDestroy.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. If you enjoy this podcast, please, the best thing you can do to support it is to like and subscribe and to leave a five-star rating and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice. Speaking and Destroy is part of the Pop Curse podcast network. Check out our other podcasts like No Price From God, which I actually reference somewhat indirectly in this episode with Dave and Pop Curse, the podcast. So here it is, my conversation with Dave Hill. This is Speak and Destroy. <laughs> First of all, thanks so much for doing this. You've been a wishlist guest since I came up with the idea for this podcast a few years ago. Oh, thank you. And yeah, when I saw you were doing press for your new record, it was quite serendipitous. Excellent. We have a a, a handful of things in common. You're from Ohio, I'm from Indiana. Which, nice. When you are in, in Indiana. Al- uh, Indianapolis. Oh, nice. So, the Paris of Indiana. <laughs> exactly. So when you're uh, in California, being from Indiana and being from Ohio is, is like we grew up next door to one another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where in California are you? Uh, I'm in Orange County in uh, oh, nice. Los Alamitos next to Seal Beach. Yeah. Cool. I've been here since 2001. So it'll be 20 years next year. Wow. Um, and yeah, one of my best friends, uh, Andy, grew up in Cincinnati and lives in California. And another good friend of mine, Corey, uh, who just by the luck of the draw, when, when I first moved here, I was a reporter at MTV. And we were office mates, which is just like luck of the draw. And he grew mm-hmm. up in Iowa. And it was like, oh, oh I I, you no, know, I don't think I've even spent much time in, in Iowa other than maybe like you know, sleeping on someone's floor uh, after playing in a VFW or something. But, <laughs> but once him and I were together, it was just sort of like, we understand each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a certain mindset of the, the Midwest.
0: I feel like it's a combination of whatever's great about growing up in the Midwest mixed with whatever drives you to want to go somewhere else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like, I'm actually in Ohio right now.
0: Oh, nice. I, live
1: in, I live in New York, but my girlfriend and I came out to her mother's place in Ohio in March for what I thought was gonna be three or four weeks and it's now six months and counting. But uh I think I'm gonna go pop into New York in a few days and just make sure uh make sure my still my apartment's intact. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. But um but yeah, yeah, there's some it's also something like I think Cleveland specifically like I don't know if this is just my perception, but I always think like in new york like someone's like oh do you know this guy from cleveland like they're across the room at this party you should meet them and i'm i'm always just like you know nothing about cleveland if you think we want to meet each other like we both (laughs) left to get away we don't want to meet up with other clevelanders
0: yeah
1: we want to be the clevelander in the mix we don't want to um but that might that could be my own hang up i actually know some i think in my old age i'm you know Losing that idea.
0: Yeah, one of my oldest friends, actually, uh, going back to the late 80s, uh, is uh, Dwid Hellion from the band Integrity, who's from Cleveland. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, he, yeah, he's lived in Belgium for the last 15, 20 years or something. Oh, smart guy. So, yeah, he probably. I'm, <laughs> I bet he. I bet he's been somewhere in Belgium, and someone said, "Hey, you should meet this other guy from Cleveland." And he's like, "No,
1: nope." <laughs> oh man, I'm jealous. That, like I wish I, I, I wish I. Would. <laughs> now would be a, such a great time to be living in Belgium or any number of other countries. Indeed, uh, I Canada,
0: Canada, of which I know you are a, an aficionado. Yeah, Canada. You know,
1: Canada's pretty great, though. You know. I love. I just love Europe because of the history and all that. And but damn it, I didn't have the sense to move there before. <laughs> I should have moved there at least five years ago,
0: <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> or maybe say January 2020, or <laughs> yeah, December yeah, that 2019. Have, I was actually supposed
1: to go on tour, do a comedy tour, right, like down to the wire, right before. All this hit and it was like you know first it was like my brother was gonna join me in Norway we were so psyched we we're gonna hang out in Oslo together for a week nice and then uh, and then he couldn't he is like oh my work said I can't go because he works in medicine and they were like you can't go and then I was like well I'm still going I'm still going and then gradually the whole tour just started falling apart obviously
0: it was such a a, a crazy moment because one of one of my favorite things to do here as a big comedy fan is um, I I at one point was going to Largo twice a month, three times a month, um, mm-hmm. often by myself. I would see something go up, and you know I'm that dude at, at the comedy show by myself. <laughs> and nice. I had a ticket to go see Anthony Jeselnik mm-hmm. at what became the last show there before all this. Like it was literally. Oh, wow. That show went on. I didn't go because I was already in that danger zone of like, do I do I want to be going anywhere right now? It feels like things are closing. And yeah. it was literally the next morning. Largo sent out an email that was like, "We're shutting down."
1: So, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I could I could have caught COVID watching Anthony Joseph. I guess I
1: see. I missed out. You blew it. What a way to what a way to get catch it. I feel like that would be a good, you know, good yeah, a good time. Great comedian, catching yeah. virus. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, yeah, same thing, like we had, <laughs> I think I had some shows in New York and like, I remember the last show I did, last stand-up show, that was like, I remember it was me, Janine Groffalo, and a couple other people, and like, I remember thinking like, oh, this, we're definitely in the zone of me getting this thing. <laughs> 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 and I remember and like half the people were like, "Oh, whatever. It's not a thing." And then uh and I think I had, who knows? Everyone, I don't know. Hard to know if I had. I guess I could find out if I had it maybe. But. Yeah, you hear a, you hear
0: a lot of that. My dad thinks he had it. And my dad's still in Indiana and turned 81 in August, and he thinks he had oh, it in wow. February. Yeah, and it's like, "Well, that's yeah. scary," but he's he's fine right now. Doing all
1: right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I I just, I kind of had the feeling my girlfriend and I both felt like well at least in this is my description I was like I feel like I've been on tour in England for two weeks. I felt like that just that kind of rundown like I've been in a damp yeah. country doing shows and drinking too much.
0: And, be, and <laughs> being slightly off your equilibrium in terms of like when you go to sleep and when you you know the time yeah, difference, yeah. the jet lag, the dreariness mm-hmm. and dampness. Yeah. I
1: now I now I can't wait to get back to that actual feeling. <laughs> Sometime next year, maybe.
0: It reminds me of uh, Henry Rollins' bit. I guess if you could if you could describe Rollins as having bits, uh, sure. where he says you go you go to England and then you realize how Morrissey happens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally. I mean, it's it's like I've always wanted to live there, but I'm also like kind of like oh man, I don't know if I could do it because it is pretty like. It is just like the way I feel like there's been times I've thought about it and I've been over there and I'm just like, no, this kind of goes against my whole my ancestors fought to get out of (laughs) here. And (laughs) uh, now and but also like there's something I mean, I kinda love how depressing England can get. I think it's really funny. Um, like I love a really depressing British pub just like a really shitty pub (laughs) where people are just staring blankly and like (laughs) it's dead quiet when you walk in. I, that's my (laughs) sweet spot, but I was also like, you'll be in like, I've done, there used to be this, the Bethnal Green working man's club, which I, they probably still have shows there, but I've done shows there and you're like in the basement and you can like feel the, Dark and dampness of England, just like crawling down the steps like tentacles or something. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> love it. I love it.
0: Yeah, I love it too. I mean, yeah, it, it, you can, there's definitely parts of it still that you can wander through and feel like you're in a hammer horror film. And I, oh, totally, I, I like that. You know, it still has, mm-hmm. despite the, you know, intrusion of Starbucks and whatever else, I feel like it's still a place that's much less homogenized than a lot of. America. Oh yeah. You know.
1: Oh yeah. Totally. You can still, still get uh, what is it, cockles and eels and all sorts of horrible, wonderful things. <laughs> horrible slash wonderful.
0: One of the things I like to do on this podcast is to ask uh, when, where, how you first encountered music, and at what point where that turning point was where you went from, okay, this is something I love that's important to me to this is something I need to participate in. I need to create, or I need to experience Um, it on a level beyond just listening to a record in my house.
1: I think I had like early, you know, just exposure to whatever was around whatever was on the radio. And then, you know, uh, just kind of taking music as it was, Put in front of me, and I, you know, I loved like the Jackson Five and like the Osmonds, and just kind of, you know, just whatever was on, you know, in front of me. I still love the Jackson Five. I need to revisit the Osmonds. Maybe I would still love it. Um, but I remember my dad, who was mostly into like jazz and classical music, got Led Zeppelin Four. Mm. And I remember hearing that. And just being kind of like it was you know like a real anomaly in his record collection and i remember hearing and just being like scared by it in like a really good way you know where i was just like this doesn't sound like uh four guys and they don't they don't even put their name on the cover there's just some painting some old guy with sticks on his like who the what the the balls on these guys you know and I remember being like kind of afraid to even like put it on but I was just like so just thought it was so amazing and new like and it. it was like way beyond any of the other sort of things I heard so far. So there was that. And uh but then at the same time that you know, I was just talking about this with Chris yesterday. Chris from Painted Doll um I remember seeing the movie Thank God It's Friday which is like some 70s like disco crazy movie
0: and I think I, I feel like I remember that being on HBO when I was a kid yeah
1: it was like and I may be getting this memory wrong but as I recall like I remember seeing it in, like someone's do like snorts coke and i had no concept of what they could possibly be doing other than they seemed really like transformed by it (laughs) right and and i was like "Hmm, i don't know what that was but uh and i still let me be clear kids i still don't um I but uh I remember the Commodores were in that movie, like in the big thing in the movies, they're trying to get to the gig and everything keeps going wrong. Or maybe they, I don't know, it's like the guy with their equipment, something. And then they finally come out and play. They finally come out and they've all got like mirrors attached to their clothes. I think I'm getting all this right now. It's just like, that is fucking badass. I'm in, I want to rock. Um, So those are some of my early memories. And little uh, you did know, you know, know being like so young and just being like,
0: I want in. Little did you know that Jeff Goldblum would be Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he's in that movie. Wait, he, he's in <laughs> that movie? He's in Thank God It's Friday. Yeah, I'm oh, actually, wow. I'm, 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 I just pulled it up. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Deborah Winger, and Donna Summer.
1: I remember Donna Summer.
0: Oh, um, I don't think I know who this director is, Robert Klein. He, okay, he's more of a writer. He wrote the director wrote uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation and Weekend at Bernie's, and he directed Weekend at Bernie's too.
1: Wow. <laughs> right. Well, this all sounds consistent.
0: <laughs> yeah, with the with the mirror disco outfits mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Commodores, uh, and it's, yeah. it's a, a Casablanca film too. So I wonder if mm-hmm. that's tied into Casablanca, like the label Kiss was on. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, Casablanca Records and Filmworks. Um. So, yeah, that's very, that's right in that I was made for loving you sweet spot. Yeah,
1: totally. So, yeah, that would have been like all that stuff and, you know, seeing Kiss and, but I was really like, just kind of, I kind of always have been, even when I got older and would start going to shows, I was just kind of like anything that was where people were rocking out, I was curious about it even if i didn't really like it i would just be like they're attempting to rock mm-hmm. and i respect that so like when i was finally like started going to shows you know in high school and stuff i would go to everything like anywhere there was electric guitar someone was like do you want to go you know i would see the replacements and then i would see Starship did a free concert but now it's like Craig Chiquiso is going to be playing. I'm in. You know, I just go see everything. So I'm, I'm maybe less that way now. I'll listen to everything, but I won't leave the house for everything.
0: <laughs> you might not leave the house for, we built the city.
1: <laughs> maybe not.
0: <laughs> Although right now, if that were if that were the option.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, leave I feel the house like and it's
0: safe and it's Starship. I'd, I'd go.
1: I'd be there. I'm totally in.
0: Yeah. I'd see just about anything now. Say, so I guess, you know. They've resurrected Ian Stewart. Screwdriver is playing. <laughs> it's <laughs> pandemic free. <laughs> all right. All right <laughs> yeah, fine. Fine. <laughs> so where did heavy music enter into the picture in your, your dalliance with the with the dark?
1: I think probably heavy. probably, you know, maybe aside from the radio you know MTV and stuff you know because they would play you know in the beginning you just play every anyone who had a video was gonna want right
0: there were so few videos that they're just like yeah that's I remember early MTV you would see Judas Priest at two in the afternoon on a Tuesday and it it was like a video that was made like 10 years before.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, probably that was a big part of it. And then just so Motorhead and Judas Priest and stuff. And, you know, Black Sabbath, obviously. Iron Maiden. You know, just kind of the the classics. And then just kind of always, always. I mean, I've always been like, you know, kind of into everything and not really... You know even even in high school when i when i did start developing like sort of you know specific tastes um towards uh towards things they were still like pretty broad and like my buddy tim you know even going you know and like when you get in high school you're supposed to like i'm only like this i only like that my buddy my buddy tim parnan who plays in in sweet apple for example one of his he plays in a bunch of bands and uh but he he and I would go see everything together. You know, we same thing. We would see, you know, the replacements, one of our favorites. Then we would then we'd go see rat the next night. And then we'd be like, be like what, you can't go see rat? You can't go see rat? How why are you seeing rat?
0: Because like, yeah. they're great.
1: We fucking love rat.
0: What are you talking about? If, like, you, if you had a crystal ball, you could have said Tommy Stinson's going to be in Guns N' Roses.
1: <laughs> no one would no one would have believed it. I still <laughs> um yeah it's just uh we so so anyway but uh just yeah i was just kind of always been into checking out everything and then you know with i remember just going to the record store and you know as a kid and you'd see like i mean i just was just talking to chris about this the other day just like kind of like we talk about this all the time of just you know that period before the internet when you would just have to you know Chris was, you know, big on the tape, metal tape trading scene and all that. And, you know, right. he's like, a, you know, he's a, a, you know, he's a, he's a God and that whole, that whole thing. And, but I, you know, just go in the record store and you look and I, I just remember seeing like Venom records and just being like, you know, as a Catholic boy, just being like, whoa, I'm going to have to wash my hands after <laughs> looking at this record. Yeah. And, um, so just kind of always checking stuff out and then yeah just kind of always kept up with it and you know i I guess now like there's there are huge swaths of i apologize for using the word swath it's so
0: interesting you said that because i had someone get on me for using it once but i was using it incorrectly but every time i hear it used now you know, that's a little flash of memory where I'm like, uh huh, but there it is. <laughs> like, like, once when I got criticized for referring to Quentin Tarantino as QT, uh, every time I hear someone oh. do it now, I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> some editor I worked with at MTV 16 years ago that I've never seen again. I'm like, ah! <laughs> 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 those little things that stick in you. And so, so, swath is one of them. As soon as you said swath, yeah. I, my little flag goes up at the time that someone told me swath is only for fabric. It's not true.
1: No, it's not. Not in my world. But it's it's also for metal. But no, with metal, <laughs> you know, I think most of the stuff I like is, you know, kind of coming from either like obviously, you know, Black Sabbath and the many things. Obviously, they everything goes back to that with heavy, you know, with metal anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, just. I, 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 you know, even even with heavy music, I've always been drawn to melodic music, like Mm. if something isn't melodic, if there isn't like a hook in there deep down, I'm just like not into it. And, you know, so, you know, when, you know, I went to school in New York and started going to like the hardcore shows, not that I was like a hardcore kid or anything. I was just more like my friends were and there's guitars so i'll go and it was always just you know bad brains obviously Mm. but you know aside from them being amazing in, in a million ways but to me it's just they were melodic in ways that yeah so many other bands weren't and you know gorilla biscuits that was like you know the new york hardcore bands heard that and i was like oh these guys are you know and it to me today when I hear that, hear music, you know, from like New York hardcore, I'm like, that's like one of the only bands that stands up to me because it does have those melodies and it doesn't feel like, oh, this is, this is from that back then. Like I, you know, and I'm afraid I played, played in bands with Walter and Arthur and stuff. And so I see those guys a lot. And and but you know, so I see. I see when when Gorilla Biscuits plays, I go and I'm like, still, still great. But I'm not going to name when, the when, bands
0: when they when they played uh, when when they covered the Buzzcocks. That was like a oh, okay, like that you know, you, that there was something different uh, melody wise, a different sensibility that was in Gorilla Biscuits than their New York hardcore yeah, totally. contemporaries.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's more. There's more going on for me, and you know, I don't want to say the bands that I think don't have that much going on but yeah there's bands i've seen in recent years uh other bands from that sort of genre and i'm like oh boy this is not not the same as when i was 18 that's for sure (laughs) yeah and um but yeah and and, you know also with any anything i think heavy music is interesting always because i think it's just you know it's any Anytime people are doing something with music and pushing it as far as they'll go in whatever direction, I always think that's interesting, you know, regardless of the genre. But I think with heavy music, you know, it happens pretty, pretty often. Sometimes people push it into areas where, you know, it's kind of hard to listen to. But even then, it can be like a band like Portal from Australia, yeah. <laughs> who I, you know, I heard them from Phil Anselmo and he would he loves them and he would you know I remember he started playing them for me and it would just go on and on and I was just like oh my it felt like I was having a, an anxiety attack listening mm-hmm. to this music which I thought was cool but I was like oh my god turn that off you know just because <laughs> I can't listen to this that long and then I finally met the guy's in Portal. it's talking Ooh. to the singer. I can't remember his name.
0: Well, they're mysterious too, right? Like they don't... Kind of an enigmatic kind of... They like, are. Yeah. They are.
1: And, they're not that accessible.
0: I, yeah. Pe- pe- people wise.
1: Yeah. But the, and the, the weird thing, maybe this is telling... I me mean, it's a secret. I shouldn't tell. But the singer <laughs> is like this handsome... He looks like a movie star. Yeah. Like he does not look like what you'd expect
0: that's what happened when the guy from ghost took off his mask
1: <laughs> yeah
0: he's got like cool hair and like
1: yeah know, he's just, like <laughs> he's cool <laughs> exactly yeah and then so i was talking to him but i was like i was like you know you guys are so great to see you guys play and you know your music is so interesting to listen to I, i'm like but i gotta stay like you know phil listens to it for really all the time okay. <laughs> and i i can't I can't do it. I gotta be honest. And he was like, Oh yeah, it's not meant you're not meant to listen to it that it's like you just kind (laughs) of check it out and you're like, all right, I get it. But anyway, I give credit to you know, Phil and anyone anyone can
0: really. I mean portal sounds up to me a lot like what people who have no experience with metal imagine metal to sound like.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: <laughs> Someone looks at a picture of Venom and in their mind they're like, probably sounds like it, this, and they hear Portal.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, it's interesting with, I guess, you know, tons of genres of music where it's, you kind of have to start with one thing and go to the next. Yeah. And that, you know, before some, otherwise you'll be like, whoa. You know, if you start, you know, you kind of start, like I remember hearing. You know Metallica for the first time and just being like, "Whoa, this is crazy," you know. Yeah. And now you hear it and you're like, "Oh, this is just, you know, I'm doing the dishes." <laughs>
0: exactly. I'm going to bed. I'll put this on to. Yeah, I'm, yeah. To sleep. Yeah, it, it's uh, and, and this being a Metallica podcast, we're gonna we'll, we'll land in Metallica land for sure. But I, but two things you said that made me think of, of different things. One you were talking about melody and hooks and I'm right there with you and I, you know for me my journey was similar to yours in its eclecticism you know my my first concert was Kenny Rogers and the Oak Ridge Boys at the Indiana State Fair when I, oh, with my and parents you know and my
1: mom wasn't that how they could
0: a, that's Elvira, Elvira. <laughs> <laughs> did
1: they do that one? Oak Ridge Boys? Yes. Or am I getting that wrong? Okay. No, you're
0: right. And, and of course I know Kenny. Yeah, Indeed. Of the famous chicken restaurant. Uh, and, <laughs> and then I saw the first concert that I went to of my own steam was Dio and Megadeth. And, Would you say Dio and Megadeth? Yeah. Uh, and, nice. that was, a... and I went to specifically to see Megadeth because I somehow went, I had an older brother who hit me to... New wave and punk, and a lot of stuff that was happening when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And I sort of leapfrogged. I somehow missed the hair metal bands and leapfrogged right into thrash metal. And then That's went from there for to the hardcore. <laughs> right. Well, because it was also the era of like kill the posers, you know. So,
1: well, there's really only like I get in arguments with Tom Beaujour, who, you know, produced the two. Painted Doll records that we did, hmm. and a bunch, you know, and plays in the live band. But I always say to him, I was like, "There's really only two good, quote unquote, hair metal bands, in my estimation, is Rat and Dawkin, and none, nothing else."
0: Maybe Those chair
1: picking and- here and there, a verse, chorus.
0: It's rest- interesting that you say that because my first time seeing Metallica, and I've told this on the podcast before, so I'll make it, it brief, but it was the Monsters of Rock tour that was Van Hagar, Scorpions, Doc, and Metallica, and that second of five. Yeah, season, I Kingdom saw that. Come opening. Yeah, and, But I, my friend and I went, we watched Kingdom Come with our Metallica shirts and our middle fingers in the air. We watched Metallica and then we left. And so we were oh, home man. at like four in the afternoon. And now as an adult, I'm like, man, I would love to see, Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. I would love to watch the Scorpions. I'd, lo- I'd watch Dawkins. Now I'd love the whole bill. But at the time I was in that, there was a couple of years in high school where I was that, you know, if it's not thrash, or if it's not crossover, <laughs> hardcore.
1: Well, I, re- I remember that was the first time I saw Metallica. Yeah, me too. And I remember because it was I guess it was right before uh, Injustice For All came out. Mm-hmm. And I was, I knew all the records. And but I had never seen them and I didn't know, you know, again, my, my buddy Tim, we were the only guys in our town who were into them. And, uh, that, I mean, I'm sure there are many, but ones are, well, of our friends, I should say. Um, but, uh, and I remember they came on and then it was just a sea of metallic fans. And I was like, Oh, this is, there's, it's not just me and Tim that like these guys. Um, And yeah, they were definitely like the thing of the day. I mean, people were into the other bands, but that was like, oh, you were just like, oh, this is going to be the biggest band in the world.
0: Yeah. They're going to, they're, they're, they're making the other three bands after them legendary as they are work a lot harder.
1: (laughs) yeah
0: <laughs> playing at two in the afternoon or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah and I, I remember also you know like you were you mentioned that the pre-internet days hearing harvester of sorrow at that show and it was you know metallica wasn't being played on any radio station that i was familiar with and there wasn't an internet you know so i knew they had an album coming out but when they say we're gonna play a new song and they launch in a Harvester of sorrow, that's the first time I ever heard it, you know live. yeah, and uh that's something obviously that you know if you do that tonight, it's on youtube tomorrow <laughs> you know there's no oh, there's no doing that anymore oh, you know so
1: frustrating i yeah i I hate that, and i even um I even hate you know you go on a website and they'll be like fan film footage of this, and mm-hmm. like if I try not to even click on it because I'm like, I've tried to walk the walk rather than be, because I hate, hate when people uh, have their cameras out It shows. I absolutely hate it. And like, I I have a rule with myself that if I even take it out, I will only allow myself to take one photo. Mm. I will take one snap. I only get to try once and that's it. If I didn't get it done. And even that, I'm embarrassed about. But I hate, yeah, I hate, uh, I hate. I think it's like better, you know. I would rather hear hear about it. Like, do you remember when like you would miss a show for whatever reason, and your friend would tell you about it? That is fucking way cooler than watching some shitty iPhone video. Yeah, I would much rather have like someone be like, yeah, and I went. And uh, I, it steps and puke, and then this happened, and then and they played Harvest of Sorrow. And you know, <laughs> that's what I wanted. You know, you're not going to get any of that from a fucking The extra layers iPhone. of imagination.
0: Yeah. And, and I, yeah. you know, I, I, I missed the tour that was Voivod, Faith No More, Soundgarden. And it was like, you know,
1: uh, yeah, a, I remember a, that. A, a tour. bill that I would be it, flipped I now.
0: Yeah, and I had to miss that well I, I had a my dad had a rule in high school I couldn't go to shows on school nights oh. so when uh, King Diamond came through on the them tour that was another one and that was he had the you know the house on stage and grandma in the wheelchair I couldn't go to that because it was on like a Tuesday and that was the one oh my, my three other buddies that cared about that kind of music the next morning or exactly as you said were describing it to me in great detail and it sounded magical whereas if I was watching some fuzzy camera phone video of it now it
1: yeah, it's, and it's so it's like, I uh, I can't remember how this is, I want to say that it was like an, an in-person conversation, but it probably wasn't, it was probably just me in the comment section of some stupid thing. But I remember like bitching about this thing and someone's like, well, it's not fair. Cause like, what about those of us who don't have an opportunity to see this show? You know, I'm like, well, yeah, that's how life works. <laughs> You don't you yeah. you just because you know whoever King Diamond isn't coming through your town that doesn't mean that you have a right to see it on Facebook. Yeah, you know, like and you see have see people like even it doesn't matter like what it is. I remember seeing Mayhem in the last year or two. You know they did the. Um, what the the, the, the mysterious, the, some dumb satanist record or whatever you did, and, you did, you did
0: better with that than I would have.
1: And <laughs> and so, like, you think, like, no one's gonna whip out their phones at this show because <laughs> you know, and like, of course, those everywhere is fucking phones, and and it's just like, uh, people are like, Facebook Live. The show, and it's just ah, oh, and it's it has nothing to do with the music at all. It's just about like, I'm at this show,
0: it's a hundred percent what show.
1: it is. Fucking stupid,
0: it's hundred percent what it is. And, 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 I, and when I, I and when I feel the need to do the social media, I'm at this show 99 times out of 100. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I might post a picture of the marquee on my way in, yeah, you know, because it's because if I want to do that, I'm at the show but then i want to be at the show when i'm inside <laughs>
1: yeah and it's it's yeah. sometimes at, uh i've done on occasion when i've had a bit too much to drink where i'll throw ice from my drink at the phone at people's phones
0: <laughs> good
1: and and uh though that's only happened a couple times but at some some shows like if you like I'll I'll just, like, like if you go to a show at, like, say, St. Vitus in Brooklyn or something, mm-hmm. and it, so that, any shows there, peop, it's, you know, not many phones out. It's people who are there for the music and stuff, but there's always somebody. And I just like to, like, stand behind them and just kind of tap their arm, and then they get really self-conscious and stop.
0: Because <laughs> well, they're like,
1: oh... I am the only.
0: Person yeah, yeah, and then and they realize if, if it's the right kind of show and the right sort of community and crowd. Yeah, if I were filming and you tap me on the shoulder, I would instead of getting mad at you, I would immediately, I would already be a little self conscious about it, and then I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, why am I mm-hmm. You know, if it's that, if it's that right kind of show, and I would imagine for you, you know, with a foot in, in each world of music and comedy, I mean, because what the phenomenon we're talking about is. Ten times worse in the comedy world for someone to be filming your set, especially if mm-hmm. you're working out new material or trying something, or you're in the moment or crowd work or whatever. You know, for people to film that and put it online is like oh yeah offensive.
1: And people people think they're like doing you a favor, like hey, I'm spreading the word. It's like <laughs> you know when when they're like here, they're I've had people like Facebook Live, I've done shows. Where the actual host, the person putting on the show, has Facebook lived the sets, and it's like, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> like you're defeating the whole purpose of this night you're putting on. So it's everything it should be about you know the actual thing, not the fucking internet thing.
0: Yeah, I feel like stand-up, even more so than music is one of the last bastions of an experience that's one of a kind. You know, yeah, and even, you know, when when you go see a band and they play a lot of their greatest hits and there might be some nuances that are different, but a comedian, even if they're doing material that, I mean, one of the things I love about living this close to LA for all of the many things there are to hate about it is the opportunity to go to clubs here and watch comedians work on material and then Mm -hmm. seeing somebody, you know, half a dozen times doing these short sets as they're building an hour. I don't. I don't. I'm not like. Oh, I heard this joke already. No, I'm like fascinated by like. You know, I, I saw a comedian once say. Uh, it was Anthony like actually? He's not the only comedian I've seen, but uh, <laughs> just so happens it was him. I saw him do a bit once and say, you know what? That's he kind of broke his persona and said to the audience, like, that's my strongest bit right now. I should, I should be closing with that. And it was like in the middle of a set.
1: And uh-huh. sure enough,
0: the next time I saw him, he was closing with it and then uh, and he was building an hour and then I watched the special and I kind of feel that cool like oh I saw him put yeah, this together. But my point is like it, it's, it's alive and, and electric and, and, and different the connection with the performer and the audience in a stand-up setting. I think even more so yeah, the yeah. music in a way to where that, that, that one night that you're seeing it wherever you are, wherever the comedian is, whatever's happening in the comedian's life, whatever the crowd energy is like, it's, it's unique to that moment. You can't just film it. Yeah totally it's not like you
1: see a band in the band it's like oh wow they added a third verse they, or they cut right. a third verse from that song. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Whereas comedy is totally about like you know oh I cut these two words or changed this one word or you know this and that.
0: Yeah they change. and depending um, on what type of comic it is you know if it's like a, a you know set up punchline set up punchline you know, if it's you know, if it's like a a Hedberg or a Stephen Wright, where you can see the the seams a little bit, but that's part of the fun. Or if it's mm-hmm. like a a Louis or somebody that feels as though they're telling a story in the moment, uh, and you don't you don't realize quite, unless you're really paying attention, how much it is actually constructed. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, then changing even just a couple of words or the timing of something like. Sorry I get, I'm I don't get to talk about comedy very much. I, I found that comedy for me in my adulthood, my advancing age has become I've, I've fallen in love with it the way that I fell in love with music and movies when I was a kid. And I was always into it and I was always watching it and was always a fan, but in recent years it's really become like a and there's something about it and I would be curious for your take on this having operated in both worlds. And this sounds like this is the most hashtag first world problems thing you'll hear this week but one of the things i like about going to see comedy is i i don't know the people that work at the venue Mm -hmm. i don't know the comedian (laughs) i don't Mm -hmm. know the tour manager i don't i I haven't worked with the merch guy it's like having worked in the music side of the business for so long and i love it and i'm blessed and it's Thousand times better than digging ditches. It's the dumbest thing to complain about. But I'm. But I enjoy the purity when I'm going out and being a fan of comedy. That I'm just there as a fan. I bought my ticket. Yeah. I'm not. You know. I'm not worried about. Do I have the right wristband? What do I have to go say hi to this person? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're not. You're not seeking out the cool. The coolest experience. Yes. This exactly. One. But exactly. you know, not to. I hope this doesn't ruin anything for you. There's <laughs> literally nothing. Nothing. It's not going to get cooler. The further you go at a comedy show into the green room, into the the sitting right next to the headliner, it's not going to improve your experience. I don't encourage it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and you know what? And probably people listening may not realize that it it doesn't improve the experience with music as much as you might think.
1: No, no, I I can't. I can think of almost no time in my life, you know. And I'm a pretty cool guy, no, um, no, but I can't think of any time aside from just seeing, gen, you know, friends, you know, that I haven't seen in a long time and that sort of thing, yeah. where you're, you know, actually catching up with your friends. I have can't um, think of any time I've ever like, oh, we had passes to go to the after this and that, yeah, where it was just like, just I just got a cool pass and. I've never, you just stand around and you feel awkward and you feel like you should leave.
0: Yep. And I always feel um, like the imposter syndrome kicks in and like I'm uninvited, even though I'm invited. And and, and you do all this rigmarole to get into the cool place. And then you're standing there and you're like, oh, that's the
1: worst. Because any, any, this, when you're trying to go do the cool thing, any resistance you run into of having to wait or anything like you're the luster you just can feel the your lameness yeah (laughs) and like i remember i don't want to say what band it was uh just because why drag them into this um (laughs) but i went to a show and one thing led to another and you know someone associated with the band was like uh hey do do you want to come back and meet the band i was like all right and then i met them it's very nice and then i just Left as soon as possible because I thought, um, I'm just some dude, they don't need some dude, some just random dude standing around taking up oxygen. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave, and I felt really good about it. <laughs> I got out of there, I didn't stick around, I didn't have a beer, I said hello, yeah.
0: goodbye. Yeah, I did the right thing. And there's environments, I mean, it's one of the things I love about being a reporter is there's environments where I've gotten to be in some really cool settings with some really inspiring people and have great conversations. But, and just, just so I'm clear, what I'm talking about is, is that more sort of surface level of BS, you know? I mean, I've, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. I've gotten to interview Ozzy at his house and stand shoulder to shoulder with him as he's Showing me the speakers in his home studio, and and the engineer just happens to pull up my favorite Sabbath song of all time. That stuff, I would never complain about in a million years. It's oh more yeah, the, that's amazing. It's more than like going to a show and and you know I'm supposed to be on this person's list and uh, right, yeah yeah you know, and that that stuff is not
1: glamorous. yeah where well, they're like there will be um don't don't miss out on the there's salsa <laughs> and the can of LaCroix. just don't overdo it. Just don't overdo it
0: exactly <laughs> now, um, that being said
1: yeah. if anyone is thinking of coming backstage to anything i'm involved with i do encourage it because i do i do like to chat with people
0: they hang out yeah. especially if they have snacks um tom Bejor, is that the same tom Bejour that used to run revolver bojour bojour
1: we can add it out the part this I'll part that. i'll go back um Tom, Bonjour, Yes, it is the same one from Revolver and Guitar Aficionado and all that, anything like that. Very nice. I, you know, yeah. somehow
0: I, I somehow I didn't know that he was producing records, of alone performing live.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, That's he's funny. always been a rocker, and, yeah. um, and so we actually worked together many times. My other, one of my other bands, Valley Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, We did a record, and then so when it came time to do the first Painted Doll record, you know, we had become good friends, and, you know, I really enjoyed working with him. I can't speak for him, but uh, so when Chris and I were trying to figure out how to, you know, Chris lives in the Bay Area, and I live in New York, so we were trying to figure out how to, you know, obviously do West Coast or East Coast, and uh, I was like, well, I know all this stuff here in the studio i know what guitars are good and i know what amps are good <laughs> like and tom's great so we did that and i think it was you know and then we, so we just, we we toyed with the idea of doing uh not to get to but we did we did toy with the idea of doing the record on the west coast this time and then uh and then we were like oh that's on then we were just like ah, oh, fuck it let's just do it again with Tom. I mean, we were going to do it with Tom anyway, but we were thinking, like, oh, let's be luxury. Let's luxuriate and uh, let's all record on the West Coast in some random place. But we didn't. Maybe the this, next one will go to the studio
0: Hawaii. experience.
1: We'll go to Hawaii. Though we did luxuriate a little bit. Um, and I was just bitching about this, if I can name drop with Please. Dave Windorf. I was bitching with him yesterday about this. It is with this record. Um, how to draw fire was the first record we practiced four times, because you know, because I would, I would just like when I was in LA, Chris would be like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna come down and we'll jam," and I was like, "All right." So we we I think we practiced like four times in LA. He would drive six hours just to jam for like two or three hours, and and we did that four times. we like, and we kind of had enough we knew the songs well enough to fake it and uh we recorded for three days in the studio and then this next record we were like let's luxuriate we'll practice six times and we'll we'll book five days in the studio and in the end we only practiced four i think and i think we might have done it all in san we i think we practiced in the autopsy spot the whole time because i just happened to be in san francisco a lot yeah, in the, and so their their place is somewhere around there, and um, and so yeah, this time we did five days in the studio for the basic, you know, the basic stuff, and it was really, it was like, well, instead of using two guitars, because Tom has an amazing arsenal, guitar arsenal, and and wow. so hey,
0: is that yours? Because you should.
1: I, I, I do believe I came up with that, but I don't, yeah. I can't confirm. But you um,
0: Connect you with a trademark attorney. I know, I got it.
1: <laughs> so this one, so for the first record we used, and you can edit out all this. No way. <laughs> we <laughs> used is, like a 63 or 64 SG that is like one of the greatest SG's. Oh, oh, my sweet dog Lucy's. Well, hey, Lucy, she's walking. Oh, no, little... my,
0: my, she's uh, no longer with us. But I had a dog named Lucy. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, we had Lucy and Lucy and Ethel. Ethel was still alive and kicking.
1: You might. I feel like this may be of interest to you. Lucy's name, actually, well, I used to have a radio show on WFMU, and I had it at the time when I got Lucy, and I was, didn't know what to name her, and so I was having people call in and suggest names. <laughs> And someone said, "Call her Danzig," and I was like, "Oh yeah." Then I can maybe just call her Danny or something. And then Walter from Gorilla Biscuits called mm-hmm. in,
0: and he was
1: like, "He's like, that's too on the nose. Call her Lucifuge, you know, after the oh, dancing too." Yeah, of course. So I'm familiar. So my girlfriend and I were like, "Yeah, let's call her Lucifuge." And then we just called her Lucy. So we call her Lucy. Um,
0: which is even better than Lucifer. Although there's, oh, a, although, yeah. although there's a dog pun in the Lucifer, which is kind of cool. But.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. But Lucifer's also feels like too on the nose. Too on the nose. I, should, I know this is a podcast, but I should show you, as long as you can see me on the Zoom, <laughs> this. I feel awful because I can't remember the name of the artist who did this, but my friend Kevin McComb in Chicago... Got his artist friend to do this portrait of like sort of Danzig for the listener. It's Danzig in repose, nude, I guess. And then his Wait, he's in like the, a
0: bullwinkle bikini.
1: The, it's the Danzig skull is covering mm-hmm. his, yeah. And then he has the upside down cross and, and he's very ripped. I feel like more maybe a bit younger Danzig, which is not to say he's not still staying in shape, he's doing a great job.
0: I mean, he's doing a great job considering his his, uh, his age. You yeah, have, we um, it
1: all looks so good. It it, it is a podcast, so
0: this this means nothing for anyone either. But that's somewhere in there. Is, oh
1: wow, uh, the that's
0: guy. and that's, that's uh lovely. artist named Dave Quiggle who also did the the uh, Danzig holding the kitten by illustration. That is the profile image of the this day in Danzig account. Oh, which um, nice. I, I don't know if john got a, a chance to pass that along but uh
1: oh yes he did yes of course me. thank you we're, yes well we're, done
0: we're instagram pals on there yeah it, a, it, it, it's it's the definition of a passion project um but it, it's been I, fun to see it grow
1: i can't remember who i was talking about this with i i met danzig once i don't know if you've you've probably met him though i imagine
0: i have a few times yeah um i've had good experiences i, I know not me too yeah. i found him
1: to be a delight I he's funny. I thought so. I thought he's very funny and kind and charming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I uh I was d- drunk which I think I feel like I've said a few things that suggest I'm drunk all the time, but it's not the case. <laughs> um but I was I was like uh I was drunk enough to just like he was um in his dressing room and I was like, Oh, I should go say hi to Dan I should go say yeah, hi to him. (laughs) And he was playing because Super Joint Ritual was playing was on tour with Danzig, so I went to that and then and then so I was like, Oh, I should just as long as I'm milling around, I should walk in and say hello. He'll probably be psyched. Um, (laughs)
0: he probably wants to know where i've been and why i haven't said hello yeah why
1: haven't god why did you just stand over there the whole time dude (laughs) um but yeah it's very nice so there that's all i got
0: yeah he's great yeah i've had a few see these are fun ones because i don't think i've told any of these on the podcast either um danzig that's another show that i missed because it was a school night he came to indianapolis played the arlington theater on the first album and there was a and, and exactly to your point from earlier, I, I, I believe in your profession they call this a callback. Um, sure. <laughs> there was a, uh, except it won't be funny, but there was, there was a video store that was next door to the theater where all the metal shows were in indie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the kind of story that social media and YouTube can't capture. My friends who did go to that Danzig show that I wasn't allowed to go to because it was on a school night, followed Danzig the guy, uh, maybe the whole band, but followed Danzig into the adult section of the video store Ooh. where Danzig was perusing. And they, um, you know, pet, they were the 14 year olds that pestered him for autographs and got autographs as they mm-hmm. stood, up, stood amongst the, the naughty, naughty films and the VHS boxes. <laughs> um, so there's that. But the first I know, time. I, I
1: wasn't was, laughing in a, in, a, in a way like ah, porn. I was just laughing. Um, you know,
0: at, kids following him in there.
1: Yes, the silliness of it. I didn't want people to think I was some, you know, some some creep from the bus station.
0: <laughs> Tell me, describe <clears throat> describe that room some more. Yes. <laughs> what, what kind of material was the curtain? that we had to Open <laughs> to get in there. Um, and the, yeah, the first time I actually saw Danzig live wasn't until I want to say the fourth record. When he toured with Metallica, the Metallica Danzig Suicidal Tendencies tour.
1: Oh, I saw that tour. Yeah. The first time I saw Danzig was on the Lucifuge Tour. Oh wow! And it was Danzig, uh, Soundgarden. Yeah. And Corrosion and Conformity. Yes. And I think Corrosion and Conformity was the Blind Tour. And. Uh, it was at the Cleveland Agora, and Danzig punched somebody. Awesome! So like somehow someone did something, and I later knew like the people who like worked at the venue, and they told me that somehow someone did something that upset Danzig, and 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 he was like, "Get, get that guy!" And so someone dragged the guy uh, out of the crowd, and Danzig punched him. And then after the show, the venue people were like, "To the ki- he punched some kid who was a huge Dan punched the wrong guy.
0: <laughs> oh punched no,
1: guy who was like a huge Danzig fan. And they're like, uh, do you want us to call the police or do you want to press charges, any of that sort of stuff? And he was like, no, I, I just want to ask him why he did that. <laughs> you know, who knows if this... I, the guy who told me this story is dead, so I can't Call him now and ask him. Fact check. Yeah, the Agora. That's a, yeah. I, uh, story.
0: My, my band that I was in once upon a time, uh, you don't have to ask what's called because it well, it it's anything. I was anything. going to was gonna uh, wait and see if it came out, but I can just ask. <laughs> um, I, I was in a band called Burn It Down and we were on tour with In Flames, Nevermore, and Shadows Fall. And it was the middle of the tour. Uh, we just put out our first and only full length. And the middle of the tour was at the Agora and my band broke up after the show and did not complete the tour. (laughs) And that was, yeah, that's, that was the scene of the crime. Um,
1: Oh, I gotta say if that's a really, I guess appropriate in some ways, but it's like the Agora is located, I haven't been there in years, but it's located like kind of in this stretch of Cleveland that you would have no reason. Really yeah, to be in the area yeah. unless you were going there. Yeah. So it's not like you could your band could break up and you'd be like, fuck you guys, I'm gonna go get uh <laughs> Korean tacos. <laughs> I'm gonna go
0: and then I'm gonna go to the comic book store. Yeah. And then I'm gonna <laughs> meet my friends. If you then can, we're gonna go get if you can drive me across town to Seoul Vegetarian. Remember that was the Oh, our, tour, yeah. our tour manager and I, that whole tour, we we had, a, we had all the soul vegetarians around the country mapped out because there was mm-hmm. Chicago, Cleveland, two in Atlanta, one in DC. I don't think all of them are around anymore. But yeah, vegan soul food run by uh, the Hebrew Israelite cult. Yeah, I think
1: that one was on Lee Road, I believe. I may be totally wrong. But
0: yeah, this would have been 20 years ago. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so you saw Metallica Monsters of Rock. You saw Metallica on that tour with Danzig, which I don't think it happened until Chicago, which I think was the end of the tour. But Danzig came out and did Misfits songs with them. Didn't happen at oh, my cool. show in Indy, I don't think. Um, uh, what are what are your other Metallica experiences over the years?
1: I saw them play C O C open for them on the, I believe, probably, I guess, no, it would have been the Wise Blood tour, I believe. Um, I saw that. Uh, to my memory, I've seen them probably, I don't know, like six times, which isn't that many really, I guess, considering they've been, I've been alive a long time. And they've been a band a very long time. Um, so I probably, I probably have not seen them live in person in like over twenty years. Wow. I'm overdue. And it's not yeah. because it's not because I don't want to. I don't think I have. I just I don't know why I don't know why I haven't. I, I think it's honestly laziness. Like I pretty much go to shows if someone else is like, do you want to go to this show? I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I go. Yeah. Um, other than, let's see, like in New York, if I can walk to the show, which it, you know I live in Manhattan, can walk to a lot of shows.
0: The opposite in experience Man- of the agora.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, Manhattan, you can I can walk to Madison Square Garden, I can walk to Urban Plaza, I can walk, you know, anywhere, anywhere really, and then and then go out to St. Vitus, a few other places in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but um, I've
0: yeah. I've never been to, think... to St. Vitus, by the way, and I know it's, a, I, I actually just recently was watching um, some videos, professional videos, pro shot, of uh, when Megadeth played there as Vic and the Rattleheads a couple of years ago.
1: Oh, yeah, they, it's a great venue. I mean, I hope, I ho- you know, as with a bazillion venues all over the world, yeah you know, I hope, I hope on the other side of that, I hope, cause yeah, they're a truly great venue. And also for my, um, dainty way of life, uh, you know, it's really great cause you can go see a band, but you can also, it's the only place I can think of where it'd be a sold out show and you can, it's, you can, be in the room, watch the band, or you can then step out into the bar and still see and hear the band perfectly well, and have a conversation with someone at this volume. That is,
0: that makes me. I want to go to there right now. I don't know who's. Which <laughs> is not, sounds like it's not.
1: It's not me saying I encourage chatter at shows. I'm saying like if you're like, oh, I, I need to go take a breather, you know the be. And if you people are in the bar to show it, they're there for that reason to have a beer in the chat, you know? So it's great for that. And they also, uh, they have a lovely uh, selection of alcohol, which is not common in in a lot of clubs, in my experience. And they, they have soap in the bathrooms, which mm. is, you know, another thing.
0: Impressive. Maybe, maybe not in the world's quietest, most depressing pubs. Of England,
1: no, no, you may not find uh, soap you know, in those bathrooms again. If I can say how much I love a shitty pub in England, I nothing I love more than stepping in and seeing those toilets from the nineteen. You know that I've, England, like I think they, they got to around like nineteen forty something with the plumbing. And they're like, well, it's good enough. <laughs> Just not. Let's we have not enough. make any. We're done. Yeah, let's not make any improvements. <laughs> So you go in and it's like these old toilets that don't flush. And then the cleanser, there's like, I don't know what they use over there, but I, there's a smell of cleanser that is like distinct to the UK. And then, so you mix that with the smell of, you know,
0: 200 years of piss. Well, And well, uh, that's my sweet spot. It, while, while I don't know that the scratch and sniff technology is there, that could be the next Dave Hill book. is a photo book of restrooms of depressing pubs oh, in the United man. Kingdom.
1: It's not a bad idea. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of fit, trying to figure out what my next book is, and that I'll add that, that to the list.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have to just be the toilets, although that would be fun. But it could be the whole the whole pub. You know, Ima- imagine those oh. shots of the, of the one lonely. Pensioner at the end of the the bar.
1: (laughs) I love it. There was a there was a bar. um, My friends Andrew and Pete in London. They would go to this. They used to call it the the funeral parlor, but it's called (laughs) what was it called? I'll remember the name. That conjures up so much already. (laughs) But it was. It's oh fuck. The, The name the some of course something arms uh the cal Calthorpe arms I think it was it's called, and they go there and we would go there and it'd just be so depressing but it's so great and it's like all people that like just they got dropped off there from the hospital It's like <laughs> that kind of place you're like, okay, he's out, yeah, just drop him off, and uh and and so then they redid it the pub you know they're like let's have a makeover and then they're like oh we stopped going there because they made it like a nice pub
0: so they're like we don't <laughs> want to
1: go there anymore
0: they've removed um, the element of danger
1: <laughs> and and if i can just totally veer off um Please. i don't know if this i hope i'm getting the details of this story right but like so my so my friends they so my friend andrew is uh he's there and apparently he's talking to this guy, because you can bring your dogs and stuff. So he's he's like, Yeah, I'm at the pub and I'm talking to this guy, John. All you know, just we're just hanging out, drinking, talking, and our dogs are hanging out and stuff. And then so his husband, Pete, texts him and he's like he's like, I oh, I heard Orlando Bloom is is at the pub. Is that true? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And, uh, and he's just like, I'm just hanging out, talking to some guy. And uh, so, so he's, then he goes back, talks to this guy, John. And then the husband texts him back. And he's like, everyone, I've been texting with other people at the pub. And everyone <laughs> says, you're hanging out with Orlando Bloom.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I guess Orlando Bloom would go to this pub when it was a dive and introduce himself as John. I don't know if yeah. that's a good story or not. It's a I, great I story because I got a kick out of it.
0: That It's a fantastic story and that's probably what he enjoyed about it was yep. sitting there talking to somebody who had no idea he's talking to Orlando Bloom.
1: And this is another thing and you can edit all this out. Nope. But one <laughs> thing I'm always entertained by is, um, is uh, how guys call each other the C word in... Mm. I guess we can, you can edit it out or not, but the the guys you know in England in the UK they call men will call each other cunts,
0: or less controversial, It's you know. a way, way different connotation.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's almost like D- di- different almost, different
0: connotation.
1: Yeah, it has nothing you know. It's it's not a word we use here, but it's mm. so I find it very entertaining. So I was at this pub with my friends with my friends, Pete and Andrew, and we're hanging out with the other people at the, were outside of this pub this a couple of years ago. And, and so just jokingly, I started calling everyone a cunt. Um, <laughs> just the guys, of course. And, and then this woman that's hanging out, this woman was like 70 years old. She's like, honey, honey, you can't, you can't use that word. And I was like, but I, everyone uses that. Everyone uses that word here. And so I asked my friends, I was like, is it true? You don't, I thought everyone says that here. They're like, no, no, we don't, we don't say that. And so I asked the woman, I was like, how long has this been going on? And she's like, oh, it's just the last six months or so. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like as if like a memo had been sent out, like, oh, guys, jigs up. Can't, can't say that
0: word anymore. An edict from the queen. (laughs) Yeah. So. So then i had to stop i had to stop well yeah yeah you don't want to be past the expiration date
1: no 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 well, it's not like i was throwing it around but i you know <laughs> i was just just kind of saying it I, ironically i guess and they were like nope sorry dave it's over well, I, it, gave, it, fun's it, over
0: it was it was a win in rome it wasn't so much was cultural a win appropriation in... as it was right right cultural participation
1: yeah, and I don't really do much of that. Like I, I, don't, you know, I don't say the loo, the lift, flat. I don't do any of that.
0: Trousers, jumpers.
1: Yeah, I don't get pantaloons. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, well, if you will indulge me on uh, uh, two more questions, um, sure. one is that when you put on your guitar and mm-hmm. you're warming up or just messing around, you're not you're not in the mo- you're in that between zone, that twilight zone of not wearing a guitar and being fully in it. Mm-hmm. Are there ever Metallica riffs that come out of your fingers? And if so, which ones?
1: Oh I would say maybe I'm probably outing myself as a poser. But really offhand I know Seek and Destroy, that's always fun. It's a good one. I mean there's endless great riffs. But um and I used to know um At least part of every song on master of puppets at one point in my life and uh and then now you know i'm good for an inner sandman (laughs) and uh that's That's probably it
0: that's a song that's pretty much one riff the whole way and that's the magic of
1: it and what a what a riff i forget who said it but someone was like you think that there's no more riffs and then they do that of course they did it 30 years ago isn't that weird
0: that is insane because i'm, I'm sure like me that you you're thinking of the black album as a new metallica
1: oh my god i <laughs> i just i think back like i remember being a kid and being really into into led zeppelin and just being like but they're like an old band from yeah. way back and they had just broken up essentially and like now, I now, and people are like, Oh, what, what new music you're into? I'm like, Oh, I'm really into this record, that. And it's always, you know, something came out five, 10 years ago, but to, to me, it's
0: brand new. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, I, I do this math a lot. When I was really first getting into punk and hardcore, um, the Misfits and Minor Threat, those bands seemed like such ancient. History to me and mythologized, and like you know, doing the the pages of fanzines, and then Mm -hmm. looking back, those bands have only been gone like two years when I was getting, yeah, 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 totally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember, yeah, thinking like, oh, this is that's not for my time, yeah.
0: Oh man, those, uh, I wish I could have seen those old punk bands, man, like the Misfits, and a little bit, you know, it's like they played their final show two years ago. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And now it's like Metallica's new album came out four years ago. <laughs> I know.
1: It's crazy. It's crazy. And like, and it's even like, yeah, you can't. And it just seems like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't even keep up. They've been putting out so much <laughs> stuff lately. They've been so prolific lately. I don't even know how to. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild.
0: So that that segues nicely into my last question, which was, um, and, and you, what you, half answered it already but um what are some of your favorite metallica riffs
1: okay and let me let me get them in front of me too i guess i could Do just it. say um you know i i was like battery like i don't know if this is a popular opinion at all i know it's this is controversial to say but i'm i really love the ride the lightning record because to me it's well obviously it's in between Kill em All and Master Puppets so it's kind of the bridge between the two but it's to me like you know it's 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 the you know it's they're starting to be more epic but still with the scrappiness of the first record and i still say uh they never should have stopped recording with Fleming Rasmussen.
0: Mm. They now never should have. Now that's new. I want to. I want to hear more about that because I. It's. It's not controversial to me, although maybe to some. I mean, I have a whole thing where I think there's a difference between best and favorite, and I can recognize that objectively speaking, Master of Puppets is probably the best Metallica album, but Ride mm-hmm. the Lightning is my favorite. And I think. I think you. Can oh, do that so with we a have that's. So yeah. that's your favorite too? Absolutely and for all the reasons you named. It, it has that the raw punky motorheady diamond heady stuff from the first record and then mm-hmm. it's segueing into the grand epic scale yeah, what's, of, of what's puppets. to come. And it also still had, you know, a little bit of the DNA of 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 some of their cousins where, you know, Kirk brought Some actual, some literal Exodus riffs from Exodus songs into Ride the Lightning. And they, Mm -hmm. and they still had some Dave Mustaine riffs that they were, you know, he's got co writes on there. Mm -hmm. So it's still, it's, it's still that record to me still sounds like the totality of that whole scene and, and movement, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Just as it then crystallized into Metallica being like apart from it because they were so far ahead. But Mm -hmm. that record to me is kind of like the pinnacle of like, hey, what's thrash metal? This, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. And it's got like you know, I think that's the the record where obviously they started pulling you know doing the things that no one had done before with the mm. acoustic guitars and things like that or the or the you know the daintier stuff,
0: yeah, well, like you said, melody and hooks, even some of the the really really heavy stuff, you know and, and that reminded me of something I was going to tell you a long time ago when you when you first brought up hooks and the importance of it uh I had um. Uh, i'm always gonna say i'm I'm gonna butcher his name way worse than i would a mayhem album title but uh isan isan of Mm -hmm. emperor i had him on a podcast and the first thing the first thing i wanted to talk to him about this was like two years ago the first thing i wanted to talk to him about was aha because he's from norway and aha was before metal and hardcore aha was my favorite band like in sixth grade like to where I went to Fantastic Sam's in Greenwood, Indiana, with a picture oh, of wow. Morton Harkett from a magazine and said, I want my hair cut like this. Oh my
1: God. That is, that's a scene from a movie right there.
0: Yeah. And they're like, you know, they're one hit wonders in America, but everywhere else, they are and were huge and had, yeah, multiple yeah, follow up hits.
1: I read about them recently because I, you know, yeah, with the internet of course you can just go Joe go what's going on with AHA uh-huh now and what happened in between yeah. this, all these uh, all the other years. So I'm, I'm kind of vaguely up to speed. Well and what but was uh,
0: interesting is he, he, was, he is, was also a huge fan and then he told me that there is a melody lifted from AHA uh, hidden in anthems to the welcome at dusk the second emperor oh wow that's yeah and it was just like a a, and then fast forward two years later after we did that podcast um he just put out a new solo ep and mm -hmm. he covers an aha song from uh, their second album manhattan skyline which is a deep cut and it is a faithful cover it's not like black metalified but uh
1: this is a, a thing with like I've learned this, you know, sort sort of my, and this is like my high school notions of things, but just you always, I always think like super metal dudes are going to be like metal, metal, metal always. Mm-hmm. And then like, they're always the biggest music nerds with the broadest tastes of anyone. In my experience, like, you know, even Chris, you know, from Painted Doll. Mm-hmm. Um, Doll, you know when I when I first became friends with him, I was like, "Oh, he's this death metal guy. Like he yeah. practically invented it, and like he's only going to be into it." But the way you know, we went and saw a Goblin together like the day we met, and uh, and and then like we started. He started sending me like all this like you know like shocking blue like and then different you know. We tried to like send each other just like obscure old psych things that maybe the other one hadn't heard or whatever and I was you know you said th- so you think like oh he's gonna send me you know whatever some cannibal corpse demo or something. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Have you, you ever know. heard
0: the first Sepultura where all the guitars are out of tune?
1: <laughs> yeah yeah You th- but it's like in their total you know so he's all over and like you know Uh, every guy I know like that, like Phil Anselmo can sing every Smith song easily. And like, you know, (laughs) like I was driving in a car with him once and ABC came on the radio and he's like (laughs) leaving. He's like singing every word. Every guy, every super metal dude is always knows like all the music. And Fenris from Dark Throne. Yeah. The first time, I I guess I don't need to say from Dark Throne. But um, this might be one of the few me.
0: places where you don't need to. We it's don't, podcast. yeah.
1: But um, <laughs> but he, you know, when I I hung out with him a few times in Oslo, and the first time I met him, he gave me a CD of you know mix. I guess he you know would make CD mixes for people. And he gives me the same. I'm like, assuming it's going to be just all like.
0: It's going to be porno. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just going to be metal, wall-to-wall metal.
1: <laughs> and it was, there was not, it was like Italian film scores. And it was like mm. uh, Newman's answering machine. No, George <laughs> Costanza's answering machine from an episode of Seinfeld. And then like, <laughs> it was like. There was just no. There's no metal. It was all just like you know techno. It was just anything but anything but heavy music. There wasn't even any rock on it. The closest thing to rock on it was the Name Game by Shirley Ellis, which is you know like a soul song, really. And that's, uh,
0: that's and that's gotta be why some of these bands are so great, right? Because because there's an aha melody hidden in anthem to the walking dust that's why that record is you know it's stuff like that why it, why it transcends um other things in the genre you know like cuz i found that yeah. same thing you have that the more i mean you know ozzy talks about paul mccartney as his idol the beatles are his favorite band of all time and... yeah
1: yeah same with lemmy yeah. but i think i think especially with heavy music the the people making the the best music heavy music are the people who, yeah, who, you know, cause when you hear me, it's just like only inspired by other heavy music. It's kind of runs its course pretty co- I mean, like look at, you know, The Misfits, when you listen to that, you're like, this is like, it's like, you know, Elvis and girl bands and, mm-hmm. you know, 60s girl bands and, you know, the Ramones are essentially a 60s girl band that's you know, and yeah. when, you, know you maybe don't realize doo-womp. that <laughs> yeah when yeah. you're a kid you don't realize and then and then you go like wait a minute um so yeah i think steal from aha as much as
0: possible yes if there's any takeaway learned from this entire conversation that's the one well thanks for for letting this run over um no problem i could i could talk to you forever this is fun yeah um, likewise thank you so yeah fellow midwesterner um yeah. Thanks for coming on here. Like I said, you were a a wishless guest from the, the minute I was like I want to do a podcast about Metallica. And the idea as you clearly just experienced is that Metallica is the anchor, but it's by no means the yeah only, only conversation. Oh,
1: I don't know if this is uh really deep cut information, but going I meant to say this and I feel like I should cuz Monster's Rock conversation we had earlier, Metallica, but I I read recently that it was on the Monsters of Rock tour that George Lynch from Dawkins plays ESP guitars, and that's when he turned Kirk Hammett onto ESP. And that's when that's how that happened. There you go. And that's how that and that's how our nerd
0: info is that how I'm and I might be outing myself as a total poser here myself. Is that then when ESP created a Gibson Explorer-esque guitar, because Hetfield because they switched to ESP? I think so. I and think Hetfield's yeah. known, He made that shape famous.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think. And then so
0: I wonder if they made one for him.
1: Taking it further, then Metallica did the same thing for crushing conform of conformity, mm. and that's how the. ESPSG type thing came about. Pepper Actually, Keenan. that's not that's not true because they did have that shape before then. But anyway,
0: Pepper Keenan and this... almost was in Metallica. He was. Uh, I know. Yeah, he's in the documentary and everything, and you could yeah. tell he was he was the one Hetfield was pulling for. But they were democratized a little bit.
1: I think it's you know probably not good for his bank account that it didn't happen, but. <laughs> Uh, as a result, he's gone on to make other great music that so wouldn't cool. have happened, so it worked out better for us,
0: exactly. Uh, so for they're... us as fans, we get to have both bands, yeah. and, and we and we also, uh, down is reactivated in quarantine, which is, um, yeah,
1: yeah. One, I, one I nice watched
0: byproduct, yes, yeah, I watched too.
1: that on- online thing, it was great.
0: Oh, and Phil sounded so good, I feel like that's the best he sounded in a long... not that he's ever sounded bad but I feel like he was... No he sounded
1: sounded great.
0: Really good. yeah.
1: Pepper Keenan is actually in my other band Witch Taint. He makes a cameo in the video, our video for Sons of Satan.
0: Witch so, Taint from my home state of Indiana.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's, he's, he plays the, the goat. Um, Malfus from Carpathian Forest <laughs> plays the guitar solo on that song and since we couldn't get him to come over from Oslo. Pepper uh Pepper's girlfriend is in the video. So we had Pepper play the goat, the goat man guitar player in that video. So there's some more trivia. There's a uh, aha and Isan song, Pepper Keenan in the Witch Dame video.
0: Yep. And uh the Jackson 5 and Witch Taint, you know, from the same soil.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> if Witch Taint hadn't heard ABC, <laughs> it never would have happened. Yep brilliant uh well dave thank you so much man this has been thank awesome. thank you pleasure really we were able to make this happen awesome and, thanks uh, so much for having me yeah it's my my pleasure thank you so much dude
1: cool man be Have you a safe great day. in ohio you too thanks you too <laughs>